Welcome to the Pro Basketball Talk podcast. I'm Dan Feldman. We just saw Giannis Antetokounmpo come back from what looked like a devastating injury, lead the Bucs to a championship, win NBA Finals MVP, score 50, not 51, not 49, but 50 in the closeout game, all just to promote Giannis, the improbable rise of an NBA MVP by Mirren Fader. For some reason, she's still out here promoting it also. <laughs> Uh, I think Giannis did all all the work for you, but I'm so glad uh, to have you on to talk to you more about the book and some other things you've written. Mirren, how are you doing? Oh my gosh, so funny. I'm great. Thank you so much for having me. I'm happy to be here. So we'll get more into Giannis in a second, uh, but I think one thing that has already struck a lot of people uh, about the book is your descriptions of Jason Kidd's uh, very harsh coaching of the Bucks. How do you think Ma- the Mavericks, especially their players, uh, should feel about Jason Kidd getting hired as their head coach? I mean, I don't know how they should feel. I think, you know, some random person aggregated three pages of a 400-page <laughs> book. And, you know, the book is pretty fair and balanced. It also cl- includes positive things about Jason Kidd and, you know, compliments some of the things that he did to help Giannis in his career. But of course, it also talks about these negative moments and and his coaching style that is quite polarizing. It's just when somebody tweets something without any context, and then it just goes viral, people don't really understand it. So yeah, I don't know how they should feel, but I hope people read the book. I mean, it is a Giannis book. This is a very, very, very small part of a, like I said, a 400 page book, but, um, yeah. So not in the book, but, but Giannis, uh, himself said about Jason Kidd, how much he appreciated him. Uh, but he also added that he thought he was the only one on the team who appreciated, uh, knowing Giannis as well as you do when Giannis says something like that, uh, publicly, is that him trying to defend Jason Kidd and maybe it comes off a certain way? Or is there a little bit of him trying to give a message of like, hey, maybe this isn't good for everybody and a little warning with it? I mean, I think Giannis was, is genuine. He credits Jason for doing a lot of things for him. You know, Jason was the first to put a basketball in his hands and say, you can be a point guard. And, you know, Giannis really took off after that. I think Giannis would have become Giannis no matter what coach he had. Um, So although, of course, Jason did some really good things for him, Giannis definitely just has the work ethic and drive and and would have succeeded regardless. Um, Yeah, you know, as you can see from those very, very limited tweets, um, (laughs) which is not an excerpt, it's just a guy screenshotting. that Jason's style was pretty polarizing and um, sometimes Giannis agreed with it. Sometimes he didn't. Um, We actually posted an excerpt on the ringer.com last week that had a much more fuller picture, um, which is an actual excerpt from the book. And you'll see a little bit of more explanation there. What? So I understand to a degree, right? You don't want to speak for Mavericks players, but should, I mean, some of this sounds like, especially with what happened with Larry Sanders, I, I understand that's only part of it, but that is part of it. I mean, should there be safety concerns? I mean, th- this sounds like it could be a, a serious thing where there should be real concerns, or is it not fair uh, to go that far? I mean, I kind of don't want to get into this. It's mm-hmm. a book on Giannis, and this is a very, very small part of it. I think the excerpts speak for itself. Um 
yeah, I, I, you know, I don't know really what to say about the Mavericks. Okay, fair enough. Uh, let's get more into Giannis because he is uh, such an interesting story, and I think you did a, a great job of, of covering it. Um, one of the things that struck me after the championship, uh, we, we of course knew he was loyal to Milwaukee, uh, but how far he went to say how this was his motivation, uh, you know, to do this for Milwaukee. And to a degree, I think, well, okay, but he just happened to get drafted. There, he could have been drafted in Atlanta. He could have been drafted other places. Do you think uh, his story would have been different if he were drafted somewhere else, or would he have become just as attached to any team that happened to be the one that drafted him? I mean, I think Giannis would have been successful wherever he went, but I think in particular this place and this city and this organization allowed him to flourish because he actually got better by playing because they had such a poor record. So they won 15 games his rookie year. You know, they wouldn't, he wouldn't really have gotten to play as much as he did if there were not, you know, this, this awful season and all the injuries. So I also think it helped him that it was not an overwhelming city. It was a really rough adjustment being homesick and missing his family and learning the language and just going through just a ton of culture shock. And so I think, you know, Milwaukee being a quieter city, really helped that and I also think people in the organization treated him like family like he was their son um they texted him late at night when he was feeling lonely they threw pizza parties for his family once they came I mean these are things that I just don't know if another organization would do for an NBA player but again Giannis is so driven and so talented I'm I'm sure he would have been successful no matter where he went do you think he would have developed uh, the same attachment because we see in the NBA now of course right success can mean different things players can hop around different teams and take their success with them uh what Giannis uh makes him distinctive now and he wanted to point out he didn't go to a super team uh when he won the title uh is that he stayed with the original team uh do you think he would have found things to be attached to anywhere uh, you know, you mentioned the homesickness that he was looking for that, or or do you think he could have been uh, the type of player who bounced around more in the, if he had started his career somewhere else? I I don't know. I mean, I think he is just a very loyal person, as as we all know, and I think that he felt a lot of gratitude that they took a chance on him. You know, he's not like your typical prospect that was like, oh, of course they picked me. I'm so good. So, you know, I just don't think he looks at things like the average player. Uh, you mentioned his rookie year. Uh, the Bucks had one of the worst records ever uh, for a team that at least kept some players from that season and worked its way up uh, into championship level. Uh, from the outside, it looked like Giannis uh, – kind of stunningly always just put on a happy face was happy he was getting those minutes uh, did not seem to be bogged down by the losing in a way a lot of players tend to be uh do you think that was truly how he felt about it as he was going yeah I mean I think for him there were just so many bigger issues at hand um he was really really sad that his family could not get the proper visas to come to America and so without them you know as I show through my reporting in the book he wanted to leave and he was like if you guys can't come over here I'm going back so of course losing is hard he didn't want to lose he took every loss personally very hard on himself very determined wanted to get better but you know there were so many other things happening that you know stole his attention and so I think maybe perhaps he was a little um, more level-headed about on-court because so much was happening off the court. 
there's one more what if uh, that struck me beyond if he had gotten drafted somewhere else. And that's what if he didn't sign his Supermax extension before the season? Uh, because he could have gotten the same contract as a free agent this year. He would have just kept his options open. He could have been just as loyal to Milwaukee, but there would have been that cloud hanging over. There would have been the questions he'd be asked. Uh, you know, Knowing uh, as much as you do about Giannis, do you have a sense of how that could have gone if he took what I, what I think would have been the more strategic path, but maybe not the right one for him? You know, it's it's a lot of hypotheticals. I think that if he would have gone somewhere else, um, I'm sure he would have been successful and happy because for him, happiness and inner peace does not come from external things. It comes from the joy of hard work, the joy of making his family proud, the joy of being there for those he cares about. So I think his world is so much more simple than other people, especially us in basketball media, make it. So I think... Um, I'm sure he would have been successful, but you know, people have to remember he, he and his family made a life in Milwaukee. It wasn't just like the place he played at it, You know, his youngest brother, Alex went to high school there and Giannis would come to most practices and just coach the team, you know, as if he was okay. just some guy, you know, in the dorms at, at UW and not a superstar NBA player. So um, they really have a deeper connection. So it, it made sense to me that he stayed. So I guess my question isn't what if he left, but just what if he played out the year uh, without the extension? So on an expiring contract with all the pressure and attention uh, and speculation that that would have invited, uh, but still playing for the Bucks, and, uh, you know, maybe even still planning to stay. Obviously, he, he wanted to stay. That's why he signed the extension. Uh, but just doing it by, by waiting a year to sign uh, to stay with the Bucks uh, with all that pressure. Uh, do you have a sense of how... Again, I know it's speculation, but how that might have played out uh, knowing his approach. I mean, I think it would have played out exactly the same. I don't think he saw it as pressure at all. Um, mm. He would have gave the same answers. I'm talking with my family and agents, and I don't okay. want to comment on it. So I actually don't think it would have made a difference. Um, going back to when he came into the NBA, well, one of the things you reported uh, in the book that I found uh, so interesting and I mean, sad was uh, he, he went to a doctor and the doctor thought uh, he had been uh, he had, had evaluated him and thought it was the liver of a 70 year old who constantly drank uh, because Giannis was so malnourished uh, growing up in poverty, did not have the food he needed. Uh, do you think NBA teams understood uh, the nutritional deficit there as they were looking at him in the draft? I think the Bucks were certainly aware of the difficulties and the Hawks as well, but not to that extent. I mean, it's hard to really get to know someone before. I think the more um, pressing thing was the fact that the Bucks didn't have his medical information. So it was even more of a gamble to draft someone that you haven't given a physical. Um, I don't think a lot of people really knew how bad things were, except for those in the inner circle, whether it's his agents, his family. Um, but it clearly, there was a clear connection between, okay, he's so skinny. I understand that the family has a difficult situation. You know, you can kind of put two to two and two together, but I think some of these details, you know, wouldn't come out till a bit later. I, yeah. I, I think people uh, who see Giannis now, uh, now that he's become a star, so uh, muscular, would have a hard time uh, reconciling with with how lanky 
he looked at in the limited uh, pre-draft uh, videos that you know people like me could see. Uh, and it seems to me like that's that's potential there, right? That that hey, this guy has not had the nutrition that he needed. If we get it to him, imagine how much even better he could be. Uh, from Giannis, from his agents, was there any sense that they were trying to to pitch teams on on how tough it had been for him, uh, and that if you get him into an NBA environment, how much better he could do? No, I don't think so. I mean, I think that people were certainly more so enamored by his story in the sense of, wow, such a high character kid came from nothing, tough background. It was more so like, wow, look at this inspiring high character kid. That was like a big thing that people talked about at the draft. Um, but yeah, I don't, I don't think that was part of the pitch process. Uh, so around that time, his family did an interview with NPR uh, and said uh, they never faced racism. And throughout your book, uh, you know, very well detailed, the, the racism Giannis and his family did face. And I can think of many reasons uh, why they would deny that was the case they faced that. Do you have a sense of why they did, though? Why they said they didn't? Right. Well, Giannis has said, he said last year, um, it's really hard for people of color in, in my country and it, they're there's a lot of racism. So he, he is now starting to, and in the book, I chronicle how at the beginning he said, no, I never experienced racism. And then towards the end of the book, he opens up more about it. Um, but yeah, I mean, he exists in a really tough situation. You know, Greece is not a place that is kind to migrants and other people of color. They don't grant citizenship. I mean, Giannis has represented Greece to the best of his ability. You could not think of a greater person and ambassador for your country and still politicians call him racist things and put swastikas on his murals. So, you know, all of his success has not shielded him from that. And so, you know, of course, I don't think he would have spoken up about this back in 2013 when he was drafted. You know, Golden Dawn, the neo-Nazi criminal organization, literally said on national TV, he's a chimpanzee. Um, so, of course, they're not going to talk about the racism because they are a target and they're still a target. So it, it's fear. It was fear. I mean, I'm not going to say that, but you can, one can say that obviously there's a climate that is not necessarily kind to people of color. And, you know, Giannis is certainly somebody that has experienced a lot as a person of color in Greece. And he's deeply proud of the place that he comes from. He's deeply proud of being Greek and he's deeply proud of being Nigerian. And it both are true. You can be deeply proud of a place and still speak about the racism you experienced or be deeply proud and not want to share it. You know, it's, it's, he's only 26 years old and is pretty private. As he's grown uh, from this, you know, young raw basketball player into a superstar, uh, I think a common thread throughout the book is how grounded he's been. Are there ways uh, that you could say he has changed at all uh, as he's gone through this journey of growing up and growing into the, the stature? Not really. I mean, he's the same <laughs> guy that um, is loving, empathetic, compassionate, and caring. Certainly the book chronicles how hesitant he was to spend money 
um, early on in his career because it is so shocking to go from not having much to suddenly becoming a millionaire. And I think the only change is he's a lot, obviously, more comfortable with, you know, financial security. But still, you know, he's not a flamboyant person. He's not reckless with his money. So overall, I think he's pretty much the same. You know, uh, in my limited experiences talking to him or, or watching him, he just comes across as so genuine, having such a great spirit about him. Uh, but I'm also aware and maybe skeptical uh, that some NBA players, uh, you know, they have an image they want to project, right? Uh, and they know how to do that. I've never gotten the sense that Giannis is doing that. It really does seem genuine. Uh, and I know when you're reporting something like this, right, you're trying to talk to a lot of people and you're trying to understand the real Giannis, the perception we have of Giannis, how close is that to the reality? Yeah, it's a hundred percent close. I mean, I interviewed 221 people um, and not one person had something negative to say. What drew you to, to Giannis as somebody you wanted to, to write a book about? Well, I think he's a fascinating person. And anytime you want to do a long form story or a book, you want to have something more than so-and-so is really good at whatever sport <laughs> they play. And I, I just found him to be so interesting and compelling and empathetic. And when I spent the day with him and his family in their home uh, for the story that this book was born out of at the place I previously worked, Bleacher Report, I just noticed all these other sides I guess I wasn't as familiar with, like how nurturing he is to his brothers, how sweet he is to his girlfriend, how kind he is to his mother. And, you know, at the time, people were just very enamored by his body and his freakish athleticism. And I was like, why doesn't anyone talk about his mind? You know, there's more to him than his body. And so I just thought this guy has such a fascinating backstory. Like, I'm really just genuinely curious. And I would have read the honest book, no matter who wrote it. You know, I just think he's really interesting. And clearly, like, there's a hunger to learn more about not just the basketball player, but, you know, what shapes such a wise young person? You know, uh, obviously those were unexplored areas. Some of the things you mentioned, right, uh, hadn't been talked about at all. Uh, maybe there were some perceptions of other areas, whatever. Uh, in your reporting on this, what surprised you the most about Giannis? I mean, I guess I wasn't surprised, but nonetheless taken aback by the fact that there is as much current day racism of him like now um, in Greece, um, because you cannot pick a better person or athlete to represent your country. And um, yeah, it was quite sad learning about that. And but, you know, it's kind of no different than many other European countries with professional athletes and even America. Um, look at the baseball game we all saw last week. So I think um, I wasn't surprised, but I certainly was extremely um, saddened to, to learn about that. You know, I think uh, the biggest takeaway, I think it's so important uh, when teams are trying to evaluate players is to take into account the whole person, right? Giannis has these skills. He has this athleticism, but there's also something to his personality and work ethic and drive and approach to the game. And that's what makes him special. And it's so hard to evaluate those things. Uh, I think you got a good sense of it digging deep into Giannis. Um, I wanted to ask you about a couple other players you wrote about recently for the ringer uh, and, and see Maybe if you have insight into those areas, and the first one is Evan Mobley, uh, the number three pick to the Cavaliers. I, I was so impressed watching him at USC. 
Uh, I, I think he could be su- such a perfect modern center. But what is your sense of his approach to the game? Uh, and, and you know, I, like I said, I think that's such so important to a young player, especially. Uh, wh- what is your sense of how he's going to go about this now that he's a professional? Yeah, one quote that Evan told me that didn't make the piece was he said, I'm a lifelong learner. And I think that really just encapsulates how he operates. You know, Evan is somebody that's deeply curious about like the intricacies of things. He can see something like a like a change on a shot and something that will take somebody else six months will take him like 15 minutes. He's just so smart and so hungry for information. And I think that any weakness he has, he's going to attack it because he just he has that mental side that I think is really what separates people. And like, I know people are talking about um, obviously getting stronger and he knows that for sure, but you know, all his life he's been playing up, whether it was against older brother or grown men while he was in seventh grade. And um, so I think Evan is definitely prepared because he doesn't think he has it all figured out. He's very like, I need to learn. I need to get better. Um, I don't feel complacent. I don't want to get stagnant. He's just very sharp. You know, I felt like I was talking with somebody that was like 26, 27 years old. And then the other player I wanted to ask about was Andre Drummond, who you wrote about uh, when he went to the Lakers. And in some ways, uh, as you wrote about it, it seemed like, hey, maybe this is the right team for him at the right point of his career. And it didn't work out. Uh, looking back on it, why do you think it, it didn't work out for Andre Drummond and the Lakers together? Well, I think it worked when people were healthy, but I don't think it worked obviously without, you know, AD and LeBron. Andre is not a franchise player that is designed to get you 30 points and 10 rebounds every night. He really is playing a different role at this stage in his career. And, I think it would be easy to scapegoat all of the Lakers problems onto him. Certainly he's definitely had his mistakes and mishaps and you can find a bunch of them, but I think he, what he provided for them, actually his coaches really loved like running the floor hard, getting rebounds, defense. I I just think people expected more of his role and, and perhaps that was miscast. Um, He's managed to survive in a league where his skill set and the things he does so amazingly are just not valued as much anymore. So I think it's hard to find the right fit regardless, but I do think that it could have been different if the Lakers were healthy. Do you think that fit might be in Philadelphia? I don't know. I mean, Andre is one of those guys that like, you have to see it, you know, it's, like we can't assess on paper. I think it's mm-hmm. going to be a chemistry thing. And it's also like how comfortable he feels like he's going to play hard. I know there were some clips for sure in his time in Detroit where it looked like he wasn't closing out or, you know, trying, but I, I think he, he's going to play hard. I, I just don't, I don't know. He's like one of those guys where all the pieces have to fit, right? There's, it's not just like I play well, I play hard. It'll work. It, his is like very situational. And then just going back to Giannis real quick to close out, what was the best anecdote or fact or, or thing uh, that did not make the cut into the final version of the book? I know you talked to so many people. I'm sure you had a ton of great information 
uh, that didn't make the book? What was the the very best thing, uh, most interesting, compelling thing that did not make the final draft? That's a good question. Um, you know, there was a moment, um, I don't know if this is a great example or not, but when I was in their home, um, I was interviewing Alex, the youngest brother, and his phone rings. And he starts speaking in Greek. And I was just like, after I was like, who is that? And he was like, oh, that's my brother. And I was like, oh, really? Like, which one? He was like, Giannis. I was like, isn't he like upstairs? And he was like, um, yeah, he just wanted to check if I was doing okay in my interview. You know, this is my first interview. And I just thought that was really, I just thought that was like really cute, right? Like just the most adorable. And like, I think that just distills everything about Giannis. You know what I mean? Like he he's just so present. He's just so, um, it's crazy. Like I know so many older brothers, older sisters who are not in the lives of their younger siblings. And Giannis, like his schedule is so bonkers. And the fact that like, he is so present, like it really cannot be overstated. It's, it's kind of, it's amazing. I thought that was such a tender anecdote. Well, what, what a great endorsement for the book. Everything in it is, uh, more interesting, compelling, important than that. And I thought that was, uh, very, like you, very telling, very interesting. Uh, I'm, I'm excited to finish reading the book I've started. Uh, it is excellent so far. Thank you very much for joining me. Thanks so much for having me.